Hello and welcome to the Bash Podcast. I'm your host, Trey Gamage, and this episode is brought to you by the Gamage Consulting Group. We help schools enhance student voice and engagement. The number one rule of educators or school leaders is to build capacity in our students, in our teachers, and our leaders. To hear more about how the Gamage Consulting Group can help your school with leadership and teacher support services, visit TreyGamage.com shop for more information. But today we have a guest, Dr. Jared Thompson of Charlotte Mecklenburg Schools in North Carolina. You're an assistant principal at Middle Carmel Middle School, quite the accomplished young educator um, and the leaders under 40 and also was a finalist for the Chamber of Commerce Educator of the Year. How are you tonight, sir? I'm wonderful, Trey. Thanks for having me. Good, good, good. So what's what's it like in the big city, man? Charlotte Mecklenburg <laughs> What's What's that like being an educator there? Um, I think it parallels where you'd be educated anywhere else. Um, certainly we have, um, you know, not only at Carmel, but Charlotte Mecklenburg schools is incredibly diverse um, in every way you can imagine. So, you know, we have a lot of opportunity in CMS, very large district, um, top 20 in size in the country. Mm. Um, so it certainly brings its challenges, but, you know, CMS is is well equipped with a ton of great educators in the system, um, you know. So it is constantly reflecting on the practices we're doing in the district. But uh, it, it's the same challenges that a teacher would deal with in Eastern North Carolina or Kansas or, or anywhere else. Okay, okay, that's pretty real. Um, and I mean, I mean, when you're looking at your school and, and what you have going on, you said your teachers are equipped. Um, to handle what you guys have going on class. What do you mean like that? Because I think in a lot of cases, you know, you hear about a teacher shortage, but you, you have a school that's equipped. H how are your teachers equipped and, you know, to deal with um, what you have going on at school or on that school? Uh, well, really around instructional practices, it's, it's the district making an effort to, you know, where we see a need for professional development centered around curriculum or, you know, instructional delivery or whatever have you, it's kind of everybody in the system coming together. So we have the same common practices, um, you know, but every school has their own unique needs. So, you know, we try to tailor our professional development um, at Carmel uh, to the population that we serve. Okay. And so does the district, what role does the district play? You know, I don't even know how many schools or students you guys have, but you know, what kind of communication and contact you have with your district and what's their role in kind of your your day-to-day -day plans or your annual planning kind of sessions? Right. So in the past, you know, CMS has cycled through uh, what we call instructional mm -hmm. leadership teams. Um, you know, we've given that a couple different titles over the years in CMS, but it's the same common purpose to come together and say, you know, these are the practices we're not seeing within a district or these are the gaps we're identifying. Um, you know, in almost every school. So we're going to come together and say, this is what we need to focus on. Um, and for an example, a couple years ago, it was, you know, close reading practices, having academic conversations in the classroom. Um, so those practices, we all kind of come together. We receive our own professional development on. Um, and then we go back to our own buildings and kind of um, trainer trainer type approach where we will deliver that PD to our staff uh, this year to see uh, the district level has been really involved as we have purchased and rolled out uh, some new curriculum at the elementary and middle school level that's soon coming to the high school so you know that's added another layer of professional development that we are getting uh, that our staff's getting who the teachers that are 
uh, rolling out that new curriculum. Yeah, for sure. Uh, do you mind, can I ask what that curriculum is? Is that like a national curriculum or is that something you guys put together in-house, in, in the county? It is a national curriculum. Uh, we've purchased a curriculum through Open Up and EL, um, two different companies, and this curriculum is based uh, on our uh, language arts and reading um, and then with our math. So those curriculums kind of drive elementary instruction right now. Um, and, and I've never been in elementary school, so for me and my school, uh, sixth grade language arts has a new curriculum and an eighth grade math. Mm, mm, okay. How is that transition going? You know, is it, and, and what was the reason for moving to a curriculum if you weren't on one before? Well, it, I think it's just coming together and, and we're centered around equity in the district. And it's, it's another effort to make sure we're aligning our practices, the standards we teach, how we're teaching the content um, and if you're in you know near Huntersville it's the same practices and same lessons that are being rolled out the same quality of education that it would be for a kid that's in Mint Hill and, and we have a lot of suburban uh, towns that are they're often large themselves um, so it's making sure every pocket of the city has access to that curriculum uh, we're all standard focused and making sure that the standards we're teaching are the same and then we're using the same resources. So mm -hmm. it's with anything new, especially a new curriculum, there's going to be some bumps in a road, but um, you know, as our teachers have dove into the resources available through these two platforms and two companies and two curriculums, they are becoming more comfortable and it's early on, but you know, at the school level, we're having to take some steps to make sure we're, you know, not taking up too much planning time. We're really mm -hmm. allocating them um really the hours to go through this curriculum plan out week by week and try to you know keep your head above water uh right now um <laughs> we're making sure that we have our lessons planned out and so we're delivering you know those lessons with fidelity and, and really being intentional about the lessons the text the resources that we're using yeah well and, and if we can can we go deeper into what that process is looking like for you i know that that's something I've seen at different schools that I'm working with and, you know, throughout the state and country, I'm in South Carolina, but okay. adapting a, you know, a vetted rigorous curriculum that um, already kind of has the lesson plans built in, which means the teacher can focus more on classroom, focus more on SEL or, or responsive practices, culturally effective practices, but it also means a different kind of lesson planning of the lesson plans and having to differentiate things. Can you talk about that, sir? Yeah, so for us, it's, uh, you know, the, the district's certainly going to provide a professional development to um, instructional leaders within the school, uh, both administrators and the facilitators, and then also uh, those teacher leaders that it's crucial to be comfortable leading their own PLCs. Right. Um, you know, the lessons are formulated, you know, we're all using the same texts and, you know, sixth grade language arts going to use the same novel um, to use and work through that first unit. So now it's really about taking, you know, especially us at Carmel, which is a really diverse school, we got to take that extra steps and say, hey, how are we differentiating, just like you said, for all of our learners? Because it's not a catch all. You can do, yeah. you know, regardless of the curriculum that a district purchased, I don't care wherever, wherever it's at, um, it's all about how the teacher delivers it, how they differentiate it, how they make it meaningful to, for the kids in their classroom. So that's the step that we're kind of taking and making sure that 
you know, we, teachers have a lot of managerial tasks to complete this time of year. Um, and it's never, I, I don't think it's ever been harder to be a classroom teacher. Um, so it's really us taking as much stuff off of those teachers that are adopting this new curriculum's plate uh, to make sure they have meaningful planning time so that, you know, when it's go time and kids are in front of them, they feel very confident about uh, the new lessons in their curriculum they're utilizing. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. How, how do you feel like the rollout plan is going so far? I think it's going well. You know, I can't speak for, for every school, but I, I think we're all taking the same steps. We're probably all meeting the same challenges. Um, it, it's not going to be a perfect process just because, you know, nothing new is going to be perfect. Um, so it's identifying some of the barriers that are coming up and then, you know, again, taking steps to make sure teachers are comfortable and confident in, in what they're delivering. So yeah, um, I do think it's going well. Our, our teachers have been... Uh, very receptive to the new curriculum, um, like some of the resources that's in play. Um, so, you know, you mentioned the engagement, the disciplinary piece, and, you know, facilitating a great classroom environment. You know, that's a lot easier when you do have that comfort with the, you know, instructional practices that you're doing. Um, and you're more focused on the engagement piece and utilizing you know, those conversations and, and think pair shares in the classroom. And that's when the magic starts to happen when you do have that comfort level with the content. Yeah. Yeah. That's absolutely right. That's absolutely right. So if, if you think about your school, not even from a, well, we can talk about curriculum or otherwise, what do you feel like is the greatest obstacle in the way of achieving your success this year? Um, so we have a big focus this year. Um, and, and our facilitator really brought it to light. Her name's Katie Kofelt, who is a fantastic instructional leader in this district. But we, as a staff, went through a professional development early on. Um, and and we're, we're taking that from a book study, a book that we read um, by, uh, what's his name, Mike Schmoker. Um, it's called Focus, Elevating the Essentials. So I think in education today and here at Carmel, we have a ton of resources. We have a fantastic PTSA. Um, there's a plethora of online learning management systems and cool gadgets and apps to use. So what we decided to do over the summer is, hey, let's all come together. Um, we're going to say no to some of these really innovative things that, you know, are great resources, but they're clouding up our practices. So instead we're going to focus on, you know, we have this new curriculum. We're going to focus on learning objectives. We're going to focus on teaching and modeling guided practice and checks for understanding that. So we're going to take a step back and say no to some of these, you know, really cool and unique things that come up every year that in, you know, realistically we don't know how effective they are because these things are so new. Uh, we're going to go back to, you know, sound teaching practices, standard driven, um, instruction that's that's really going to yield us some, some growth with our kids because I think we have a lot going on in education so we're going to kind of go back and I highly recommend that book um, by Mike Schmoker uh, it's called Focus Elevating the Essentials and it's kind of changed our outlook especially this year and going forward with what we want to focus on PD wise and then what we want to focus on as we coach teachers. Yeah for sure do you feel like I mean that's a that's a beautiful way to think about it with all the advances in technology that we do have, sometimes the best way to speed up is to slow down and, and get rid of some exactly. of the You can have so many resources, but when, whenever you introduce a resource, 
you have to have a protocol to use that resource and the method. Exactly. That. And that's a lot of times what we're missing. We'll, we'll get these resources, drop it off on the teacher, uh, you know, create something for them to complete, but never really give them what they need to feel comfortable using that tool. So I think that's great. What, what is the, if we can predict now, looking forward a year, three years, um, what do you think the impact is going to be of simplifying the resources and being really strategic about what you're doing? Well, I think, you know, initially it's, it's teachers understanding that, you know, we're only going to use technology and some of these, uh, you know, apps and gadgets if we can ourselves do it better in a classroom, right? So, um, you know, I don't think there's an app or, you know, an online resource or anything you can put in Canvas, Google Classroom, that's going to supplement picking a really great, rich, grade level text mm. and then guiding um, students through it, you know, teaching vocabulary, creating a purpose for the reading, um, you know, uh, practicing those comprehension skills. Like, I think we focus on that. And then, you know, we very fortunate to exceed growth last year, but you know, we're not about proficiency at Carmel and a lot of CMS schools are uh, unjustly graded on those proficiency standards, but we're focused on growth. So, you know, our goal is to, um, and it's all over our school. We're trying to increase our career and college readiness percentage in math and language arts. And we feel that getting back to, you know, these foundational, you know, foundation instruction and, you know, blending content skill and then literacy, you know, we're going to see our growth, um, you know, grow within even more than it did last year. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I love that. When you mentioned the diversity of your school a little bit earlier, if I walked into your school, what would it feel like or what would it look like? So if you walked into Carmel Middle, um, it, Carmel is, is very unique um, in Charlotte. You, you'd walk in and you do have a slice of Charlotte. So um, we're incredibly diverse, not only just the, you know, racially, but socioeconomically, culturally. Um, we have a growing, uh, very fast growing L, uh, EL English language learner population. Um, so we full, pull from six different feeder elementary schools. Um, so we get students that are often in neighborhood elementary schools that uh, reflect the neighborhoods that they live in. Um, and then they come to Carmel. And it's, it's a little bit more, more diverse than what they're used to. Uh, the kids do outstanding with this diversity. Um, so, you know, resources wise with the, you know, EL student population growing, you know, we've had to tailor um, our master schedule, our resources, our, you know, staffing to support the needs of those students. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. But you're going to get a slice of Charlotte if you walk into Carmel. And, you know, there's a few schools in CMS where you get that. Um, and then we have CMS schools that, you know, are neighborhood schools that really reflect the neighborhoods from which kids live in. And there's not that amount of, you know, diversity. Um, so you, Carmel, we're really blessed to have that ton of opportunity. And, you know, through that diversity that we bring at Carmel and like the other schools that, that you know, is empathetic practices, character building um, and seeing the world through a different lens are often just built in for students transitioning from class to class. It's, you know, we don't have to do a ton of extra, um, you know, lessons and things like that because they get it every day. Yeah. 
is that something that's embedded in your teacher's practice, the, the building of the whole child and some of those responsive or restorative practices? Yeah, absolutely. It's something I don't think we can do enough of. Um, and, you know, being reflective, I think we as administrators are so focused on instruction, as we should be, um, but it's something we can definitely do more with our staff to provide a little bit more PD around, you know, cultural equity and cultural practices within the lessons that they're teaching. Um, and I think there's going to be a growing need, especially here in Charlotte and other metropolitan areas where, you know, we are seeing, um, you know, we're just seeing more diversity. Carmel, uh, traditionally in a really affluent area of Charlotte, um, but, you know, the kids that we have walking through the halls are pulled from various neighborhoods all over South Charlotte. So okay. it's something we can definitely give uh, more of, uh, but our teachers have been great uh, with our or with our kids, um, and you know, really from a student culture-wise uh, standpoint, uh, we feel really blessed to have the kids that we do. Yeah, I'm sure. What is your greatest success or reward in education? Oh, greatest success or reward? Um, you know, at CMS has treated me very well. I've been very, very blessed to have some great mentors along the way as I've kind of moved towards leadership. So um, as far as success, um, I'm really proud of the the point I'm at within my career. Um, you know, I definitely wanted to make an impact and it kind of was eye-opening um, through some of those first few years in education. You know, you have good relationships with kids, you have good relationships with the adults in the building, you know, the impact and the growth and the success has kind of come with that. So um, everything I've always thought builds off those relationships with, you know, kids, community members and teachers trying to create that holistic school environment. Um, things tend to work out when you do, when you have great relationships with your kids, your community and your teachers. So mm. without that, it's really, really tough. And you, you often fight these uphill battles with some of the goals that you're trying to accomplish. Yeah. Yeah, that's real. So it's it's kind of it's kind of like that journey is the the answer. So what do you feel like you've learned about yourself on that process through education? Um, you know, with education, getting into it, my father's a longtime educator and football coach in North Carolina, Virginia. My mother was a um, EC bus driver and EC assistant. So I've I've never really known any other profession but education. But getting into it, I. I didn't really believe or I wasn't really sold on how great of an impact a school could have on a community or a teacher could have on a classroom of kids. So, you know, we see these things in the movies and these feel good stories, but those aren't just movies and feel good stories. You know, educators working extremely hard. Um, and I've often found that the educators that buy in, what I've learned is, that they truly love students and look forward to being at school and knowing what they're doing is worthwhile uh, within their profession. Um, the impact comes with it and the impact can be very, very great. Um, I've seen schools buy into certain initiatives over my career and, you know, mm -hmm. practices that, you know, you think is going to take three and four years to catch on and really have an impact on a student's or how they feel about coming to school. And, and it could be a lot faster than that. And um, the successes you can have when you're, you know, aligned to one goal and you have the relationship piece in place, 
those goals can be accomplished really quickly and it's kind of eye-opening um, on what can happen when you really do just go all in with this profession. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, we, we share a similarity here and I see that you were a cum laude football captain. Yeah. You know, Ryan, that's, that's pretty cool, man. Um, you know, I feel like it's, it's a privilege in itself to get to play at um, a high level, you know, at the next level after high school. And not many people get to do that. So to, to do that and do that at such a high level, I played at Miami, Ohio myself. And okay. It's, it's an absolute grind you know, going through football, but I feel like it teaches you so much about life and prepares you for everything else, waking up at six in the morning. <laughs> Yeah. After a game and not being able to get up, you know, out of bed. So um, how did that experience kind of trickle down into your journey as an educator? Uh, You know, it absolutely did. I started off out of high school, uh, committed to Elon University, uh, ended up transferring closer to home, Illinois, Ryan. That experience, I think to me, you know, you love the game, you love what football is, and you love the games on Saturdays and things. But when you look back on it now, I think the thing that helped me most is what you just mentioned, the, the discipline aspect of it. Mm-hmm. It's, it's sacrificing, you know, what you want to do or what you think is fun. And, you know, it's really fun to play on Saturdays. It's not fun, like you said, to feel like you do on Sundays and have to go exactly. lift weights and, you know, go through a few hours of film and in the study hall. So, it's just one of those things where, you know, I think athletics and you get involved in a variety of extracurricular activities, you, you know, it's, you're larger than just yourself. So you're you're taking steps and sacrifices for the greater good of a team or an organization. So, you know, it's that selflessness kind of is built in. Um, So I think that looking back on it now, uh, that's what, you know, I got most out of it. Certainly, um, the winning was fun, you know, we have good teams and, and all that's great, but um, the life skills, just like, you know, we see kids in, in high school and middle school athletics, um, it has a profound impact on them. Yeah, for sure. For sure. What do you feel like, I heard somebody say it was uh, Chris James or Chris Reese, I believe he was on the podcast um, about 20 episodes ago. Oh. He was saying how when you're in the classroom, a lot of times we focus on teaching the content or let the content driving instruction. But in other cases, you're allowed to let culture drive instruction. And I feel like that's an experience that's really valuable for your students to learn. And you're a young man as well. How are you in in your school, your teachers able to use your personal experience or the culture that you grew up in to serve your students and help um, bridge gaps for them in places that they might be broken? Well, I think it's, you know, you, you don't have to necessarily shift your instructional practices. You know, you, it's about, you know, if you're, if you're a language arts teacher, I'm going to pick a text or we're going to engage in a reading that is culturally relevant. So, you know, we can teach content through a variety of different mediums and, and text. It's just finding those culturally relevant pieces. So, yeah. um, you know, I've seen a lot of success uh, with teachers who, you know, there's a girl growing mem- uh, movement, you know, I'm on Twitter, so I follow this hip hop for Ed uh, movement where, you know, they're breaking down uh, lyrics from emerging rap artists and even rap artists from the 80s and 90s and going in using that as text. So it, you can use culturally relevant materials and resources to teach content through. So I think, you know, your previous guest, Chris, was 
you know, absolutely right in that. And I think that's kind of that next step. So we, we always want to, you know, get teachers um, to understand and get coaching and professional development on sound instructional practices. But, you know, that is the next level is all right, my instructional practices and what I'm using in the classroom, you know, is it culturally relevant to the kids that's staring at me every day? Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, a school leadership team and instructional leaders within the school can do a great deal of help by uh, assisting the teachers and, you know, not only picking up those resources, but, you know, how to look for uh, what students are interested in or how to gauge, you know, everybody doesn't have to read the same text. If it's at, you know, if it's grade level and, um, you know, it's, it's rigorous enough, you know, we can pick a couple of different texts and you implement some student choice. Yeah. Into that. So I think those are that, that's that next tier of practices. Um, that's really tough for novice teachers. And, you know, it's, um, and my staff and team are no, by no means perfect in that, but I think that's, you know, he's absolutely right. You, you get so much out of it um, when kids are really bought in and they're truly engaged. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I'm, I mean, I'm glad that, you know, that awareness is there for um, you guys in your class. And I think that's, or your school, I should say, I think that's something that we can always get better. You know, I think when I was in college and even high school, um, between the, the, you could say, 2007 to 15, mm-hmm. I was in high school and college. Diversity, equity, inclusion, those were buzzwords. You know, those were things right. that people were talking about. Now they're standards. You, don't, if you're not practicing equity, you're, you're not meeting the standards. You know, so I'm, I'm glad that that's become such a, a hot topic in, or trend in America. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, and I'm lucky enough to be an assistant, uh, in a system CMS, you know, that is the driving force. That's our, that is our why is, is to have equitable practices in all of our schools and within our schools, all of our classrooms. So, um, that's another thing. It's not just a district wide initiative, you know, district can take steps, um, to create more equity within a community and even a community as big as Charlotte, but, you know, school leaders also have the responsibility to look at, you know, their practices within their own buildings to say, you know, are we providing, um, you know, the same level of academic um, instruction to all of our subgroups and our scheduling practices equitable. So that's something that we really wanted to focus on um, at Carmel uh, when I got there. And, you know, we, we feel like we've taken it's, it's a journey and by no means the work still to be done, but we definitely wanted to take steps um, to make sure that, you know, how kids are placed in classes and things like that is, you know, we're equitable with how kids are receiving, um, receiving that instruction. Yeah, for sure. Well, so, uh, Jared, man, what, what's next for you? You've been a super principal for a couple of years. You've been working your way up through education. You know, it's obviously a passion and a lifestyle for you and your family. What's next for you in education? Um, to be honest, it's, uh, I am, a again, I, I've only been in Charlotte Mecklenburg schools. It would be, you know, following my, you know, professional trajectory here. And, and if I'm called to serve a specific school as a, and get my per, first principalship, that'd be great. Um, but, you know, I'm really excited about what we're doing at Carmel this year. So, you know, I definitely eventually want to, um, you know, take on that role and, and, be a principal of a CMS school. So that's, it's always been a goal of mine. Um, 
but I'm really just enjoying what we're doing now at Carmel. Yeah. Um, and we're having a lot of fun doing it. Man, you sound like you had a press conference for football. I like it. <laughs> yeah, well, I yeah, I uh, I really do love what I do. Um, I like the team I'm with, and and fortunate enough to receive a lot of support within this district. And I think, you know, not only Carmel but CMS is doing some really great things. Um, you know, with our kids here in Charlotte. <clears throat> absolutely, absolutely. Well, where can we find you, um, your school, or, or any updates that we need to know about the information that you've given us today? Um, you know, Carmel Middle School is, we have a Facebook page. There's it's a few Carmel Middle Schools in the country, which I found out. Um, but, you know, feel free to follow us on Carmel, uh, on Facebook at Carmel Middle School. Uh, we are the proud Cougars, so you'll see that. Um, I'm active on Twitter. I uh, love connecting with educators there. On Twitter, uh, I am at Dr. Jared Thompson, all one word. Um, so really like to engage with folks on that platform. Um, and uh, and it's it's interesting seeing some educators that you, you know, you don't really know in person, but you, you've you've engaged in the same topic and the same conversation. And, you know, I, I like seeing what the folks do in Eastern North Carolina. And, you know, when EVOS and growth stores come out, um, I can look and say, wow, that middle school in, in Hyde County or in Raleigh or in, you know, Winston-Salem, they're doing some great things. I got to find out what they're doing. So uh, I find that Twitter is, is, is a really good avenue to connect with other educators. You know, I need to, I need to get on my Twitter game, man. I, I'm on yeah. Facebook, Instagram, but I just, I haven't done Twitter. I, I'm, I'm behind the curve. Every education, <laughs> I'm, I'm late. Well, I'm not the savviest, but I, it's worked for me. So I know there's a ton of great educators that are accessible on it. Um, you know, that's just been what's kind of stuck with me. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, I might have to, to heed that advice as well. I've heard it plenty of times. So uh, thank you so much, Jared, for sharing all this information today, man. It's a pleasure to hear what's going on in Charlotte Mecklenburg and all of the successful things that you're doing to prepare your students for a global economy at Carmel Middle School. We appreciate your time. Yeah, I appreciate you having me, Trey. Um, Thank you for hosting this, and it's a good avenue to share some thoughts around education, so I appreciate it. Yes, indeed. That's, that's exactly our goal, is to provide our listeners with challenging, meaningful, significant conversation on how to bridge gaps in education. So I thank you so much for listening, and again, Jared, thanks for joining us on the show. We will see you next time on The Dash Podcast. This is The Dash.